This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Tuesday, June the 9th, as we continue to do what we do, react to what's going on in Major League Baseball. We'll get to that in a minute. Tomorrow, the Major League Baseball draft will take place. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll talk a little bit about that. Tomorrow, some names to consider for the Phillies. The Phillies picking 15th overall, only five rounds of the draft this year. Um, and obviously a much harder task for the teams drafting this year with a lot of seasons, high school and college, of course, not happening at all, being cut short, whatever. Um, so a lot bigger onus on the scouting staffs this year to to really figure out who's good, who's not, especially those high school kids that they haven't seen a lot of. Um, so we'll talk a little, bit, a little bit about that tomorrow on draft day. Um, maybe take a little break, a mini break from talking about the Major League Baseball labor dispute, but not too big a break because that's really all that matters right now. You know where I stand. We talked yesterday about the newest proposal. Um, we did not dive deeply into it, though. All we knew was that the players um, were not enamored with it. Um, but there is more to talk about, and we'll get into that in a minute. A really good article on ESPN.com is uh, Jesse Rogers, Dave Schoenfield, and Branford Doolittle. Um, talk about the 76 game proposal um, some of the questions about it and, and trying to answer the question are we any closer to a season in 2020 Jim Salisbury was on with Andrew Cataldi this morning on WIP and did say strongly we will have a season in 2020 the issue is it might just be a 48 to 52 game schedule as opposed to 76 82 more as we've discussed uh, mentioned this yesterday the best factoid out there for me in terms of what a 50-game schedule is like is, of course, the team that won the World Series last year. The Washington Nationals started the season 19-31 and 31 in their first 50 games. Um, so, you know, last season would have looked a lot different if it were just a 50-game season. The Phillies would have been a playoff team. So, um, 50 games a real sham of a season as far as it goes. Look, I, you know, it's frustrating. It does feel, if you had to ask me right now on June the 9th, what do I think ends up happening? I think the most likely outcome is a 50-ish game schedule where the league forces the players to come in for their parade salary, and that's what they do. And look, um, as I've said many times, I'll take what I can get right now. That's where I'm at with baseball. I will literally take as many games as I can get. If they want to give me a 10-game season, I'll, I'll take it. Um, I won't acknowledge it. As a true season of Major League Baseball, there will be a giant, big, bold, lettered, whatever you want to call it, asterisk next to the champion of this season. Even if it's the Phillies, I'll say it. 
Uh, it will not be a, a, as they call it, a legitimate championship, but look, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to have 50 games, a sprint to the finish. It would be unique to watch an entire baseball season where literally every single game matters to that level. That's fascinating. There, There is fun and interesting stuff with it, but in, in terms of historically, in terms of the way we look at it, I mean, yeah, it's a sham of a season. It's less than a quarter um, of what we would normally get, you know, of, uh, excuse me, less of a third, excuse me, not a quarter, less than a third um, of what we normally get, and then that's just silly. Um, but at the same time, I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. Let's dive into this article. I thought really interesting stuff talking about this proposal and are we any closer to a season uh, from ESPN.com. Major League Baseball made an updated proposal for the 2020 Major League Baseball season to its players' union on Monday. Moving out of a 76-game season with players getting 75% of their prorated salaries that includes eliminating draft pick compensation for free agencies for free agents for a year, a $200 million postseason pool for players, and a postseason that ends no later than October 31st. How much likelier does that plan make it that there will be an agreement to play baseball in the summer? Is a 50-game season better than a 76-game campaign? And what are some of the biggest sticking points to lay proposal? They talked to Jesse Rogers, Brandon, Brandford Doolittle, and Dave Schoenfield to break it all down. The first question they asked is, how likely are the players to accept the 76-game proposal with prorated salaries? That was proposed Monday. I think we all know the answer, but Rogers says not likely, especially with the playoff caveat that would lower the amount of no season is played. The no draft pick compensation is a nice carrot, but that's all it is. Bottom line, the players aren't making that much more from 50-game possibility that already exists, and that's been pointed out a lot on Twitter yesterday, a lot of people pointing out that the 50-game prorated salary the players would actually make just as much money as a 76-game proposal under these guidelines. So... You know, it is uh, not uh, an encouraging proposal, so to speak. Um, Schoenfield agrees, says uh, it doesn't bring the sides closer together, uh, less guaranteed money, and unlikely to appease the players. And Doolittle just flat out says they won't accept it in this form, but they have to be honest within the union and not with us about why they won't accept it. This does appear to me to be a very small step towards the players. So hopefully it is viewed as just another proposal, one that merits a response and not another talking point for more empty media statements and social media blathering. I love what Doolittle's saying there. I agree with him. We're at the point where um, any concession that is made on either side should be applauded is far too strong a term, but should be recognized and should be used as a bridge to another step and another step forward. And the owners, you know, the, the no drop in compensation, that is a carrot, as they say. That is a step towards the players in some form or another, though the guaranteed money ultimately is the same as the last deal. Again, I think the owners have been uh, completely unfaithful in terms of being a, a faith, good faith negotiations. I think they have keep repackaging the same crap and trying to sell it in a different way and sell it through the media. I think they've been very underhanded in how they've gone about it, but... Again, to Doolittle's point, we are at the point where, who cares? Any sort of steps in the right direction need to be seized and lauded and part of what moves forward, and that is a step in the right direction, at least that part of the proposal. Moving on. Um, question is, bottom line, how much more likely does Monday's proposal make a 2020 MLB season? Doolittle says, I wouldn't want to put a number on it, but in general, at least it's a sign that the owners are still negotiating rather than becoming entrenched in the idea of implementing a mini-season. 
but the miasmic aspect of those talks could still make this little sprout of a knowledge branch pretty much meaningless. Um, I do agree with him there. The idea that, look, it it feels like we're at the point where the owners just say, screw it, we're, we're doing a 50-game season. That's the deal. We're not negotiating more. You'll show up for 50 games, and that's what we're going to do. So I do think the fact that they're negotiating is, is good. It is that there is still the possibility of more than a 50-game season. Um, but... Again, not the, the best proposal. Schoenfield says, I think Brad makes a good point. And especially as we are getting more details on the NBA and NHL season starting back up and golf tournaments starting up and so on, that puts more pressure on the owners and the union to shake hands on something. Baseball doesn't want to be the one sport where it's bickering over money instead of resuming competition. Too late, David! There's still a chance to have baseball in July, and that would be a big plus for the sport. He's right. Uh, you know, on a basic level, I think that they've passed the point of not aggravating people of this not being a uh, problem for the sport period. I think we've already passed that point, but it is true that if they can start to make headway and again, it, it just feels so impossible with where we're at. You know, it feels like there's been so much animosity, so much acrimony, just so much discord on both sides and the, the history and all that. It just doesn't feel like anyone is inching closer than the other. It feels like the players are saying, I want this. The owners are saying, I want this. And they're not at all working to, to bridge that gap. Um, so it feels hard to believe that that gap could be bridged. But there is still the tiniest bit of time that if they could, they could salvage something here and, and maybe not be hated the same way that they are right now and deservedly so. Uh, next question in the article. What are the biggest potential sticking points from Monday's proposal? Rogers says, for one, the playoff caveat that says the players will only get 50% of their prorated salary if the postseason is canceled. It's going to be hard enough to persuade them to take 75% if the postseason is played. For, from the start, the players haven't wavered from the idea they believe agreed to a full pay-per-game proration of their 2020 salary. Doolittle says, yeah, I agree with Jesse. The pro-rata dropped from 50 75 to 50% is severe. Even if you buy into the revenue portrait that Notion paints, which is that so much of the remaining revenue potential from the season is dependent upon starting a postseason. If the 75% were guaranteed, my very quick scribbling suggests that the players would be getting roughly 35% of their original salaries for a 76-game slate. The 50-game proposal at full pro rata would have been around 31%, so obviously not a big gap there. He says this much is clear. If the playoffs were canceled, the pro rata distribution dropped to 50%, then the player to the, the payout to the players ends up at pretty much exactly what the 50-game proposal would have played. So why would the players agree to the risk of playing an extra 26 games? And that is a really fair point. That's the problem is the owners are not putting something in front of the players that makes any sense for them to agree to. They're basically just saying, all right, well, Maybe they'll pick this one. Maybe they'll pick this one, even though they're the same offer for all intents and purposes from a money perspective, which, as we know, is the issue. Do little. Uh, next question. Under this proposal, how much of their total salary would a player make? Do little says, based on the rate of 75% over the full pro rata, over 76 games, I've got the players earning 35.2% of their original contract. The 50-game lowball offer from the players at full pro rata would have been about 30.9%. While we're at it, a 114-game season, which is the original offer from the players, at full pro rata would have been 70.4%. So that's a significant jump. I'm no expert in negotiation, but at this stage, it doesn't seem like the range of disagreement should be this large. 
says sarcasm intended. Rogers says basically if the playoffs are completed, they would make 35% of their original salary. Question, when would a 76-game season need to start to be finished by the end of September? Rogers says the first week of July by the 10th at the latest. There's some flexibility as spring, spring training can be shortened if need be. That's not ideal, obviously, as we worry about injuries, but they're going to do what they have to, go, to do. The shorter the spring training, the larger the rosters will be to start the season, he says. Schoenfield says, let's see, counting back from the current regular season schedule, which ends September 27th, the team plays about 70, a team plays about 75 games in July, August, and September. So yes, the first week of July, unless you push the schedule back into the first week of October or play some doubleheaders along the way. Um, originally, seven-inning doubleheaders were one of the ideas that was mentioned, uh, as we know. Uh, Mid-July at the absolute latest, unless you want to play a December World Series at warm weather neutral sites, which we know they're, they're not seemingly inclined to do. Doolittle says... If you're going by the middle of July, you're fine if you add some doubleheaders, and you could push it back even a little more than that if you want to cut out most off days. But Dave and Jesse are right. You want to be going by July 7th through the 10th or so to keep the slate from becoming too dense. So point being, if we're going to have a 76-game schedule or an 82-game schedule, they have to figure this out right now. Right now. It's June 9th. We're talking about them needing at least three weeks of spring training, right? So they have to be at spring training one week from today to make this a reality. The clock is ticking, as they say. Next question. Is the possibility of a shorter 48 or 50 game season mean the final outcome still in play? That's what we discussed before. Roger says, absolutely. With the MLBPA likely to say no to this latest proposal by the owners, we are still marching in that direction. Doolittle agrees with me. He says, right now, I feel like this is the most likely outcome and I am not happy about it. Agree, Branford. Uh, Schoenfield says, 50 games is better than zero, but 76 is, well, 52% better than 50. So I'd be 52% happier with saving 76 games. Well said, too. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. 50 is better than zero, but not great. Uh, next question. Would the champion of a shortened season be looked at differently, and would 50 to 76 games make a difference? Is what we were talking about before. Roger says, of course. Injuries are likely to be a big storyline in either case, but especially if they play only 50 games. A hammy problem or a sore shoulder could effectively shut down a player. Remember, they still get paid their salary even if they're on the injured list the entire shortened season. At least 76 games would give some incentive to return. Already players have said they won't hold it against anyone who feels like they're risking too much for a short season. Schoenfield says, sure, 76 games is a little more legitimate than 50, but it all depends on the playoff structure. If you're just going to put 22 or 24 teams or whatever in the playoffs, it doesn't really matter much if 50 games or 76 games besides the playoff teams. If you stick with the current 10-team playoff format, you definitely want to play as many regular season games as possible. Would the champion of a short season be looked at differently? Hmm, that's a, question, that's a question, I guess, for Mariners fans or Indians fans or Padres fans. I don't think they would care. I get that. That's a fair point, Dave. Um, but yes, the answer is yes. It will be looked at differently. I don't care who wins the title. You'll enjoy the moment. Look, if the Phillies win the quote-unquote World Series this year, I guess it's the World Series, the title this year, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to celebrate. I'm not going to say it was a legitimate championship. It won't be. Even if it's 76 games, it won't be. But 50 games particularly won't be. Doolittle says every additional game matters. But Dave's point is cogent. If you blow up the playoff bracket into a grotesque form, then we're not even talking about big league baseball. 
They can do it that way and we'd watch. But just don't call the last round the World Series. Wow, that's interesting. Dumoulin's saying don't even call it the World Series. How about that? Next question. How much longer can negotiations take? Roger says the longer they go, the fewer games can be played. Obviously, we know that. He says, having said that, they still have plenty of time to get a shortened season in. Except, expect at most four weeks for spring training 2.0, which means to play 50 games, they could conceivably, conceivably negotiate until July 1st. The league will avoid playing regular season games in October or beyond, partly because of a possible second wave of coronavirus, but it's also because the TV postseason schedule is already set. Every other major sport playing at that time of year, it won't be easy to move things past what's already been scheduled. Doolittle says, again, to how much longer can negotiations take? Years. I'm not kidding. It's a dystopian scenario, and I'd peg the odds of it happening at less than 0.5%. But let's say the owners try to unilaterally impose a 50-game schedule with a standard postseason bracket. The players might just say, uh, no, solidarity, baby. Then, let's say the pandemic swells up again to the point the attendance revenue in 2021 is threatened. Then we're back to square one. Only with the rancor over this process festering like a block of old cheese. So they can't agree on anything to stage on the 2021 season either. Careers end. Teams fold. The collective bargaining agreement ends. And all of us turn our attention to the newly independent minor leagues. This is really how my mind works. But I think and hope they'll wrap this up this week. That is a dark timeline right there. Let's hope that Doolittle's 0.5% does not happen as that is a scary, scary thought. Schoenfield says... Well, if that happens, at least we'd have more spare time to reread 1984, The Handmaid's Tale, The Road, Never Let Me Go, Lord of the Flies, and Fahrenheit 451, LOL. Uh, next question. What recourse do the players have if they don't want to play? Roger said they could essentially strike and not show up for spring training or go ahead with that grievance or pocket the anger and use it another time. Perhaps when the playoffs are supposed to begin. That would be an extreme measure. Most likely, if they play the 50, the anger will simply carry over to the next negotiation. Yeah, real quick here. If the players refuse, if the owners implement the 50-game schedule and the players refuse, then all of a sudden, it swings the other way. I think a lot of people have been on the player side. I know it's gone both ways, but a lot of people on the player side in this, as you know I am, if they don't play, the, if they say, screw it, this fight is more important in this moment in time, this unique moment in time, we're going to have a problem. Uh, goes on. Uh, Doolittle says, if the owners try and impose a schedule and the players don't play it, then that's a strike. There would probably be some sort of grievance filed under the general umbrella of failing to negotiate in good faith. Good times. Jeez, can't believe we're talking about this. Next question. Would the playoffs look the same as they would for a normal MLB season? Roger says no, but the players would have to agree to additional teams making the postseason. Either way, the possible realignment of divisions, the postseason won't look anything like we've seen before. The Cleveland Indians can play the Cincinnati Rounds in the first round, Cincinnati Reds in the first round, depending on the setup. Doolittle says no, and I'm not sure that they should. For one thing, if we have geographically based schedule, it doesn't make any sense to maintain the traditional league structures. What would even be the point of having one third or more of your schedule be based on interleague play if those games are not between teams competing for the same thing? Alas, competitive considerations seem pretty far down the list on the to-do list for both sides. Bramford is a ball of joy in this one. Uh, Bradford. Next one. What are some of the other options of the post for the postseason to add games and revenue? Rogers says it's simple: a hugely expanded postseason, which could include 14 to 22 teams. It would add revenue and change the dynamic of the whole sport. 
The more teams that make the playoffs will water down the regular season but also allow arms to build up proper strength through October. In the end, an underdog no one saw coming could end up in whatever version of the World Series we get this year. An expanded postseason with anything from a one-game wildcard affair to a best-of-three series will provide ample opportunities for upsets. Schoenfield says, let's try something different. World Cup-style pools or College World Series-like double elimination brackets, something to eliminate teams from early on, somehow then culminating in traditional best-of-seven World Series. And then Doolittle says, Cinderella's a March Madness thing. If it happens in baseball, it detracts, not enhances, the integrity of the season. I would keep the number of teams limited and would be flexible on the number of teams that make the playoffs. What we're looking for is true separation. If you're around 500 and a bunch of teams are clustered around that level, then stage a play-in tournament of short or even one-game series just among those teams. The teams that have gained real separation during the bastardized season would not be exposed to this. But once you get in the real postseason tournament, make those series best of nine. More games, more validity to the winner of those series, and a final round that might not be completely undeserving of being called the World Series. So that's the article. Bradford Doolittle is clearly the most pessimistic of this group. A real dark outlook on this whole situation. But I, I understand it. Look, that's where we're at. People who love baseball to their core, people who have chosen it as their life's profession, are beaten down. Everyone is upset right now. Jim Salisbury, I was talking about him before on Angelo this morning uh, on WIP, and you know, he even said the same thing. He's like, I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of baseball right now. All I want is games, but I'm not happy with the sport right now. I don't see how anybody could be. You know, I don't see how you could be happy with baseball right now. I'm. If you listen to this show at all over the last three years or whatever it is that I've been doing this, you know I'm a pretty big, nerdy baseball fan. I have two TVs in my basement for one reason, so I can have the Phillies on one of them and the MLB package on the other and watch as many games as I can. I'm in multiple fantasy leagues. I'm in a dynasty league with 16 teams. I'm in an auction keeper salary cap. Uh, I'm I'm in some serious, aggressive nerd leagues. I love baseball with all my heart. It is my favorite sport, period. End of list. That's it. And I'm struggling right now to to be happy about the sport. I'm so upset with how this has played out, what's happening in the moment. I mean, it's such a unique moment in time. In the history of our lives, in the history of the world, certainly in the history of America. And baseball had a real chance, as we've talked about, to be a beacon of hope and light. And instead, they've been the exact opposite. They've been a cloud of sadness and depression and anger and animosity. And I think a lot of us are reaching our breaking point, you know? And look, I talk about it every day, you know. And and tomorrow we'll talk some draft. We'll try and find some other fun things to talk about. But we'll keep talking about this because this is the most important thing going on with our sport. The problem is it's incredibly frustrating and not happy. It's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. And I don't know. Look, on a basic level, at a certain point here, one of these two sides is going to have to take a step forward towards the other side. And then guess what? That other side has to do the same freaking thing. At a certain point, you have to move closer together. This has been a negotiation where nobody has been willing to step forward. And again, I've been on the player side the whole time. I'm, I'm on no one's side. 
more on the player side than on the owner side, but I'm on no one's side right now. I'm on the side of figuring it out. I'm on the side of enough. 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 Ruining of my favorite sport in the public sphere at the worst time in the history of our country. Enough. It has to end. Figure it out. Negotiate. For real. In good faith. Stop just repackaging crappy offers that you know they're not going to accept. Maybe put an offer on the table that you feel uncomfortable with. Put an offer out there where you're like, oh, God, this is tough. If they accept this, it's going to be tough for us. But you know what? It's for the greater good. No one gets all they want. That's it. In this situation, no one will get all they want. Someone has to be willing to give. Hopefully tomorrow the Phillies will draft someone awesome and it'll be something to get excited about because um, right now it's frustrating and it's tough. But we'll continue to cover it. We'll continue to talk about it. We'll talk some draft tomorrow. We'll find some other fun things to talk about this week as we continue to to react to what's going on and just hope and pray that, that the people running our favorite sport can figure out a way to figure this out immediately because that's where we're at. So until tomorrow, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.